you're not going to stifle a teenage boy's disgusting impulses. And like if you if you remove all normal material, they're gonna find something that's gonna be weird and scary. It's gonna be weird, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then they're gonna be like, Oh, I didn't know I was into this. And then you're gonna end up with some weird, kinky post pubescent boy living in your house. Exactly. Ruined forever. Like that's yeah. the guy that messages April about like photoshopping her into a picture where she's at 80 feet tall and stomping on him. <laughs> it's like, I thought that was completely normal. That's all I could find on the internet. So. Yeah, right. It seems like what everyone was into. The message board on that website. On the message like board active. I found, yeah. Hello and welcome to Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And can I start us off with like some current events? Yep. Uh, did you hear about the the two dudes that broke into a Walgreens and stole a bunch of Cialis? <laughs> I did not. What? Yeah, the cops put out an APB for two hardened criminals. Oh my God. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> 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 that took you a minute. Yeah, shut up, dude. That's insane. I, I, I think I'm quitting. I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> Nobody tells like street jokes anymore. No, and why? Why did that even? What? Why was that sitting at the front of your mind to kick this off with? Did you hear that earlier? And you're like, this is where we need to go. But yeah, I. You know, if I'm being honest, I wrote that down in my phone as like an intro topic. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, I mean, but did you just hear that joke recently? Like, yeah, I think I heard Greg Fitzsimmons tell it. You, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, you, <laughs> you popped a Cialis like 15 minutes before this intro, and you were like, oh, that reminds me of a joke that I learned in high school. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I, I guess I, I don't know if I really understand how Cialis works. So, like, if you pop a, like one of those or a Viagra or something, are you just strutting around with your kickstand out yeah okay or... this reminds me of a story so i had a friend who worked overnight at a convenience store and i used to just go hang out with him there for like all night he lived across the street from that convenience store so i would hang out with him till i got too tired and then i would go like to his house and fall asleep until he got off work or whatever and he so it was every like it was just kind of small town he knew mo- a lot of the people in the town so one of the times I was hanging out with him there, a few people that he knew had gone in to just get something. They ended up hanging out for a couple hours. I don't know if you're really supposed to loiter like that, but it was just me, like maybe two other guys. And then my friend was working, but it's like two, three in the morning. Like you barely get anybody showing up. People show right. up, they pump, maybe would pump gas. I actually think they might turn the gas off, but you know, there's not a lot people are buying at that time of night, maybe cigarettes if they work the night shift, but it's dead. And someone was like, oh, I have a great idea. One be it's like they had the Viagra or whatever over the counter. It was like whatever they over the counter dick pills were. And they're like, we should all we should all take one of these pills. And then first one to pop a boner loses. And I was like, this does not sound like me. I wasn't that kind of a guy. <laughs> so everyone does it. I didn't. 
I think they might have thought I did. It's possible I put it in my mouth and then just like took it out and threw it on the floor. And then was like, uh, okay, also you guys are idiots because these don't make you pop a boner first. Like it just makes it so when you get a boner, it doesn't like it's just not gonna stop. Like it you're doesn't stuck deflate for four hours. But my <laughs> friend who was working did it too, so he's just like what was he gonna do? What was his plan of action for the night? To just stand behind the counter with a <laughs> raging boner for four hours while people came in to buy cigarettes at two AM? It was so stupid. Yeah, so you dared to say no. Yeah. I said no. I did. <laughs> I stood on my ground as a Christian. Uh, I had no business taking those pills. Anyway, so something that crossed my mind this week, unrelated to dick pills, was do you remember? I don't remember what year it was. I should have looked it up before we jumped on here. But do you remember when the whole like cloning of Dolly the sheep was going on? Yeah, that had to be in the 90s. Yeah, I'm looking it up while we talk. Uh, that Dolly was a hotly contested item from 96 to 2003. So I'm wondering if I remember the conversation being sparked when Dolly died because 90, I don't know what the average life expectancy for a sheep is, but if she lived from 96 to 2003, seven years feels not long for a sheep, but I don't know. Are you a farmer? Do you know farmers that we can call I mean, right now? I don't know anything about sheep, but that seems par for the course, you know? Hmm. Like, Dolly that, had a that life sounds cheaply. Of around 11 to 12 years, but Dolly lived six and a half. Oh, so they they crossed some wires when they were, they were you know, putting her together? Yeah. I mean, maybe, but all the, I mean, the way that, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but cloning is just like, you pretty much duplicate it. So what I remember specifically about that was how talks about cloning and how that is like inherently against God's plan. Like what, what's next? Like that was, it, it felt dangerous and scary. Like pretty soon you'll just be able to clone humans. Do cloned people have souls? Tons of conversations around that. Yeah. But, and then when, so when Dolly died early, it was like, this is what happens when men try to do, sorry, people. They're women scientists, everybody. Come on. Uh, and there is much to blame as the man <laughs> there, but it's like, Oh, the, when you try to clone and duplicate God's design, even if it's the same, it's not going to work out and you'll die early. So then there was a lot of concern about like, if you clone a human, will they then like diet? Will they die, like die at 30 or 40 or like live short lives and have health complications? Didn't, am, am I mistaken, but didn't, did Dolly have like an extra leg? I feel I like there was so. one of those cloning deals where like the sheep kind of had like this extra sort of like small leg that just sort of hung. I don't think so. Oh, apparently she was euthanized because she had progressive lung disease and severe arthritis. Oh, soulless and a smoker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that being a very controversial thing. And I specifically remember some talks about how like, maybe this is where the Antichrist comes from. Like maybe the Antichrist will rise up as, you know, a clone with no soul that will be used mm. as a tool of Satan. That's super interesting because why would Satan need someone who is soulless when Satan has millions of humans in his clutches? 
already no why would it satan you know uh use a doll to murder people it's nonsensical but it makes for a fun movie you know child's play was great <laughs> so but with dolly i mean one of the things so i don't actually recall a whole lot of antichrist conversation around dolly it was more around like the but there were i even i bet outside of christian circles even there was conversations around the ethics of cloning there's got to be. There was always like this weird misunderstanding of it too, which I was part of at the time. But then when you think about it and you hear more about, well, so like one of them was like, oh, you're duplicating a person. And then the soul question is definitely particularly religious, but it's like, well, if you clone those people, are they inherently the same? Will they be the same? But then you're like, yeah, but that's what twin, like twins. Have you ever heard of twins? They're, that's a clone essentially, isn't it? <laughs> no. they're not genetically like identical they just have similar look right i i well i laughed at you and now i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i think like part of it is just what why you know we don't we're doing some on the fly research here we're gonna look really dumb on this episode and that's fine because we're not scientists i got a fucking bible degree so if you don't like my science knowledge that's your problem i'm all for i'm figuring you know working on stuff like that if they you know if there's a practical application but like don't we need less people not more yeah well i don't know I, you're getting your wish we uh this is like the what the lowest birth rate we've had in a long time yeah that's fine uh real quick i will let you part of those statistics identical yeah come on man what the heck i'm gonna impregnate you in your sleep Um, (laughs) identical twins have the same dna as each other wow really but different from their parents so but they are the same so they, they have the same dna so if you are a twin and one of them murders somebody but they both cover for each other with an alibi I mean, who's to say, right? You can't yeah. predict that shit. I'm surprised we don't well, see more murdering twins on the loose. Yeah, if one twin murders someone, will their uh, genetic material, will forensics find the same genetic material regardless of which twin it was? I, I, would, I would think so. Yeah. That's definitely the plot of a movie. I just don't know which one. Hmm. You know what I am interested in clones for is, uh, did you ever see that movie, The Island with Scar Joe? Yeah. Wait, was that? Throw me um, some new organs. That's all. Maddie, that's what I want. What's his who, who, who else is in that? Ewan McGregor, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I do. I think I fell asleep during that movie, so I don't really remember it too well. Okay. Would you, how about this? Pet cloning. That'd be dope, right? Oh, yeah. We've had this conversation quite a few times at our house. Like, if we could clone our cat Milo, like, we would probably spend way too much money on that. Yeah. Now, but what's weird about it is like twins being an example, right? Same DNA, but they're not the same. Like they don't turn out the same. There's like, they might be on a wavelength or some shit where they can like have those cool twin thoughts or whatever, but they're not exactly like, even when the same, like it's like nature versus nurture or whatever, like, but they don't turn out the same. So even if you could clone your pet, I mean, would they really, would it be the same? Would it? I don't know. Would your pet be the Antichrist? Potentially. Oh, so that's now you've, you've thrown something new here. Yeah, deep cut. Dude, 
I feel like Antichrist talk was always like kind of lingering around my community. Like there was a lot of speculation about who the Antichrist might be or what they might want or where they might come from. I can tell you what they always wanted. Socialism. (laughs) World peace, unity, and socialism. Yes. All things inherently against Jesus Christ. You know, the Nazi stands for National Socialist Party. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have you heard that argument? Never. I never heard that. Oh, are you kidding me? No, I'm really not. Oh, man. You need more. You need to listen more, uh, Glenn Beck. Yeah, I didn't. I feel like my um, conservative indoctrination stopped at Rush Limbaugh was the guy. Yeah. Rush Limbaugh in the car when I was a youngin. And some Sean Hannity. Okay. Yeah. Then some Sean Hannity, but not when it was just Hannity's show, but back when Fox News had a slight degree of integrity. And they had Hannity and Combs. I think we talked about that a little bit before. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, you know, back Sean when they Hannity's... pretended to care about what other people thought, that was fun. You had to like at least pay homage to the idea of like fair and balanced to use it as a slogan. Right. That, dude, did they have anything else that was like fair and balanced other than Sean Hannity and Combs? I don't know. I mean, first name? I don't even know. I feel like they had, they've always had like a couple of somewhat liberal people hanging around, but, uh, you know, never in the spotlight, like their, their conservative pundits were. Yeah. It was lip service. We all knew it at the time. I remember like the amount of times I remember people making fun of Combs was just like, Oh, look at this fucking idiot. It's like, oh yeah, he's so dumb. Like he was there. It's like, I, that must've been why he eventually left. He was probably just like, I'm so fucking sick of being made fun of all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just getting hit by that, you know, Mack truck that is Sean Hannity on a rant like yeah. every day or the, whoever their guests are. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. I, I feel like, uh, in terms of, when it came to the Antichrist, I know that uh, there was a ton of people that thought that uh, Barack Obama was the Antichrist. Yeah. I heard that speculation quite a bit. There was a couple of YouTube videos made about that. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anyone else. like So in my lifetime, the only politician I can think because one of the things was... Um, was that like a the new world order, right? That's what they were like, as you mentioned, world peace, but it didn't actually mean world peace. It just meant like uh, one of the signs of the times I remember being a, um, a universal currency. Yeah. Yep. That was a big one. So we'll switch to like the Euro. Everyone's like, Gork probably going to switch to the Euro since that's already like pretty big. That didn't pan out. No, I mean, <laughs> there is no nothing even close to a universal. Oh, no. Here we go. Crypto is the universal currency, right? That, that'll be it. I hope so, because I really need that to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much are you down now? How much are you down? I don't want to talk about that. You don't want to get into your finances? It was, uh, it was all going that. so well until it wasn't. And yeah, now well, I'm just I'm just, you know sinking slowly into the icy depths don't pull out man don't pull out 
<laughs> I this is the time to get into it, and I've we've talked about this plenty of times just ourselves. It's I'm realizing more and more as time goes on why I'm not someone who's uh, built for financial success because I don't take risks, I don't invest, I don't know how to. And when people are like, I can help you out with that. I'm like, oh man, that'd be awesome. Definitely. They're like, yeah, give me a call sometime. Like, I, yeah, I will. I'll take you up on that. And then I don't. So that's the, that's what it means to be a person who's like, just going, I mean, you're just going to default to your salary to get you by for the rest of your life. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of just paying lip service to the idea of being like an investor in some form or another because same thing like i've had a bunch of people be like oh yeah you know if you ever want some uh want me to talk you through some things and stuff i'm like uh i kind of just want to pretend to be interested in the idea i'm not really interested to the point of like doing research like i don't want to read you know i just just want to buy some magic stocks and 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 make money like the only hope for me being wealthy someday is just to pull in enough money that it accumulates faster than I can spend it. Yeah, that that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. But see, I just don't think it's for me. Like I waste my money on the dumbest like I bought I spent $15 on a bag of popcorn this week. I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's a lot of money for a bag. Would you go to the movies? I mean, that's a lot of money no, for No, no, no. It was popcorn. So, uh you ever see that Boom Chicka Pop popcorn at the store? Nope. Well, around Christmas, they had like this frosted sugar cookie flavor, and it was the best. Sounds the best scary. thing there is. That sounds awful. No, it was it was great. And then they canceled it after Christmas like idiots. And so now I'm buying like a two-year-old bag off of eBay that's probably stale. And it was only $7, but then it's like $8 shipping. And <laughs> this is why I won't have money ever. Because you spend it on popcorn. I, that's an interesting <laughs> reason for like, your poverty. I don't know. Like, I don't know how much money I spent on this shirt, but I'm sure it wasn't a reasonable amount. Probably not. If if you guys remember, like, what was it last year when that Ted Bundy documentary came out? That it was really good. Everybody was obsessed with it for a while. But at the very end, everyone got horny for Ted Bundy for a minute. They really did. It was like all these people talking about how handsome he was and how charming. And it's like, I don't know that that's really like, I think he would have probably given you the creeps. You just couldn't put your finger on what was wrong with it. Like there's a difference between being that and being like charming. Yeah. A little note. If you, if you feel yourself intensely pitying a man, just don't, just don't help him. Like, like, oh my God. No one has a real injury. Like, don't help anyone load their sailboat. Don't, like, help them put a couch in the back of their van. If he's holding his knee with, like, five bags of groceries around him in a deserted parking lot, that's not the guy you want to help. He'll figure it out. Nothing. You're not helping an angel that was secretly sent by God to make you feel better about yourself. You just need to watch out. The only way to be safe in this world is to assume that everyone who looks injured is a necrophiliac. Yep. There you go. I mean, I don't really know. That's how I've operated. That's why I'm here safe and sound. I'm, I'm almost to a point of comfort with you where I don't view you as a necrophiliac, but I'm still reviewing the ne- the uh, evidence. I mean, 
your shirt is uh you can finish explaining why you're wearing the shirt you're wearing but <laughs> oh yeah i'm not completely convinced that you're you know a safe one either well so at the end of the documentary where they're talking you know the the execution date is approaching and people are like tailgating and grilling hot dogs and playing catch with the old pigskin out front of the prison waiting for him to get fried they were wearing these they were selling these shirts in the parking lot that said uh burn bundy burn <laughs> and uh it shows it's like a cartoon of bundy getting electrocuted in the chair and it says bundy's last charge in life and i saw the t-shirt i'm like man i wonder if anybody still makes one of those and they do and i ordered <laughs> one and that's you making light of the death penalty i'm gonna have to get shane claiborne back on here if Shane Claiborne sticks up for Ted Bundy, <laughs> I'm definitely not letting him, you know, mold my guns into a hoe or anything like that. Well, you you are very upset with him for doing that. You made that very clear. <laughs> I always think it's funny though, like we're talking about serial killers, like so many serial killers. They're the most manipulative people. Yeah. Right? Well, maybe not the most, but they're very manipulative. Like it's mega pastors, we know. Yeah. They lie at every opportunity and a serial killer on death row is you just assume that anything he says is him trying to shift the blame away from himself. Right. And so when Ted Bundy does an interview with Dr. James Dobson, old Jimmy D and says, all of this that I did, everything that I did was because of pornography. Like you can't just take that and run with it. You can't just take that as gospel like, you know, Ted Bundy, uh, you know, he said that a major influence in what happened in his life was was pornography. It's like, yeah, of course he did. He was looking for any way to not be responsible for the things that he did. That he had. Are you kidding about an interview with Dobson? No. What? The Absolutely. Fuck? He he did like right before his execute, like. I don't know how long before, but yeah, he did an interview with Dr. Dobson. How the fuck? Why do did I Dobson feel like I need to keep that? calling him doctor? <laughs> Cause he's like, I mean, why do you not call Dr. Phil? Just Phil. I don't know. It just, <laughs> well, I do. I have immense respect for Dr. Phil. Dude. Dr. Dobson did an interview with Ted Bundy. Yeah. Okay. You can watch it on YouTube. Okay. Right here. Second video that pops up. Uh, serial killer ten killer Ted Bunny describes the dangers of pornography. No fucking <laughs> way. <laughs> and then they'll like, you know, one of these uh one of these dudes that's murdered like twenty four women, you know, professes to be a Christian and talks about being born again and redeemed and stuff like that two days before he, you know, they carry out this death sentence or whatever, and they're like even in the, you know, at the end, we all have to reckon with what we've done. And Ted saw the light. Yeah. It's like, that's not a compelling story. Like you shouldn't, no. he's not a good mascot for you guys. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, there, there's like this tradition of picking bad mascots. I remember once uh, when they picked uh, Donald Trump as their mascot, the baby <laughs> Christian. It's like, Hey, I mean, that's the guy you want to like hit your cart to. That's fine. I, it's weird. And, oh, you'll also lose millions of people who are just like, oh, I get it now. This is this is a joke. <laughs> I'm about sick of your liberal nonsense. Yeah, I, it's you know, liberal trash. Bashing Sean Hannity, bashing, you know, mind, mind Fuhrer. 
That's why I got into this. I just want to be able to speak my truth, man. You can speak your truth about guns and watching serial killers burn and hating Shane Claiborne. That's fine. Speak your truth, bro. Let's we're here together. I love you, Shane. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, I think it's probably about time to introduce our guest. So excited. Yeah. This was a blast. Ryan Beard. Ryan Beard. If you don't know who he is, you fucked up. Ryan Beard has a million followers on TikTok. I'm not really on TikTok still. We're we keep pretending like we're trying to figure it out and we haven't. But <laughs> he's got a pretty good YouTube following. He's got a lot of followers on Instagram and he makes hilarious videos. We've shared a few of them here and there. Uh and he, you know, he the videos that he makes, he'll it's it's satirical. He'll often make fun of aspects of Christian culture. Some of the videos that we've shared uh was one called uh boomer i'm not okay and (laughs) his other one where i don't know what the name of it is but he just kind of plays piano like he's closing out youth group and he's talking about how premarital sex is sus and so we've shared those two videos from him and he's just absolutely hilarious uh he was on america's got talent uh that was new to me and we get into that a little bit in the episode and we had just a great time talking to him very very funny guy yeah, you should definitely follow him on whatever social media channel you, you know, you use the most. There's um, <laughs> just a lot of, he does a lot of funny things kind of related to the subjects we touch on on this show. Recently, with all of it, the Modest is Hottest stuff going on, Yeah, he did a song about the slogan, and <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, you should just go watch it, I won't tell you about it, but... We had a blast talking to Mr. Beard, and I think you're going to have a blast listening to it. So uh, enjoy our conversation with Ryan Beard. Hey, everybody. We are back with our guest, the incredible Mr. Ryan Beard. Um, Ryan, I <laughs> I was introduced to your Instagram page and your YouTube page, and I was like, why does he call it Mr. Beard? Like, he doesn't have a beard, and it took way too long for me to realize that that is actually your name. That's my real name. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that that's confusing. <laughs> I've made a few jokes here and there about like why I don't have a beard, but it's mainly just because I can't grow one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I would like to try it, but I, I just grow peach fuzz on my face basically so dude i'm in that boat like i let mine grow for like a week the other day and just continued to go to work and everybody looked at me like i was insane like yeah, i looked like, like uh you know vibes. did you sam did you shave your pubes before your wedding like for the inaugural bang um casey i actually do not remember I, you know what's funny man i was just this is a interesting way to start the episode uh weigh in on this Ryan, I I yeah. don't remember the first time. I I was a late bloomer to the whole. I mean, so Casey and I pubes? didn't have sex until we were married. Yeah, late bloomer to pubes. No, I got pubes at a, probably a normal age. Um, I didn't. I don't recall ever. I don't recall when I first trimmed them, and I don't even know if I did before getting married. I really can't remember that at all. I might have even been in my head about it, and being like, "Are you supposed to do this? Is this a weird thing to do?" Yeah, I was never taught about whether or not I should or not. (laughs) And I've only I there was one time where I like fully shaved (laughs) and then I got a bunch of ingrown hairs and shit and it was awful. Uh, And then ever since then, I've just 
trimmed but yeah yeah dude i i the first time i did i did it like two nights before the wedding and that was when i learned what razor burn was i'm like oh so oh you fully God. shaved beforehand yeah yeah it looked like i got bird flu on my dong or something <laughs> so you you two both uh you two both waited until marriage that's that's awesome yeah yeah well we you did. know god keeps his humps dry until <laughs> my my parents uh waited until marriage as well but i i have not been married and i have not waited until marriage so (laughs) this is cool we get right into the uh the the confessional yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny because i know like we we've talked about this a little bit before and i know my like my mom and dad i know my parents listen to the podcast and i'm like this is probably how they act they probably had their suspicions about it before they're like oh my god he actually waited that's incredible yeah, that's awesome. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Ryan. This is I got what I came for, so we can close out. I just needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks everybody. It's only for like <laughs> it's like years later before you finally realize like how insignificant that was for all the stress that it caused you at the time. Yep. So why don't we? So okay, I want to hear Ryan. Well, you know, why don't we actually get into a little bit about you, other than your sex life? That's all I really am interested in talking about. Perfect. You came on here to brag. You're like, I lost my Virginia last week. I had to tell somebody. You messaged me. This is me like the one the right time, time I can brag about my sex life. The only singular time. <laughs> so, Ryan, you grew up in in the church, and I'm curious as how you got to you know doing church stuff. I, I you mentioned that you had done um, had did. did worship led worship and, and now you make youtube videos where you pour hot sauce on your dick so i'm interested yeah. in and bridging <laughs> this gap here with you <laughs> yeah so i um i was raised uh non-denominational um bible church is what we called the the church that we went to so okay i was just very um yeah very straight and narrow christian i was also homeschooled yes dude um, me too Oh, you were homeschooled too. Okay, yeah. cool. So this is going to be fun. We're in a very similar boat here. Yeah. So I was homeschooled up until I was um, like 14. And then after that, I went to a um, Christian co-op where it was like I would go to school a few days a week and then I was at home the other three days a week because my mom decided that she didn't have the qualifications to teach me <laughs> high school is what she said, which is why she decided to send me there. The foreign um, language thing becomes a problem. Did you have someone in your homeschool co-op that taught a foreign language? Yeah. Yeah. I had a yeah. Spanish Spanish teacher there. Me too. Uh, homeschool co-ops, man. Those are special. They are. It was very, <laughs> the dynamics there were very weird. You would get these like the stereotypical, like very sheltered homeschooled kids. And then you would get the kids that were kind of even cringier, which were the kids who were sheltered homeschooled kids trying to rebel and be cool and then they were like kind of even worse (laughs) which one were you uh i i was i i would like to think that i was somewhere in the middle i was kind of just the class clown that's sort of what i always was i was always just trying to crack jokes and and hopefully be friends with everybody um yeah but there were a few times where the rebellious homeschoolers tried to pull me down the you know the rebellious path and what does rebellion look like well that's that's the thing is these kids were just trying to do anything they possibly could to like rebel against their parents so they were just going out and 
driving in their cars, like going 100 miles an hour down the road, just being like super unsafe and just fucking like I was like, you need to calm down, man. <laughs> There's better ways to rebel. Try smoking weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just be a little more chill about your rebellion. <laughs> it is like once you uh, now that you've lived through that period and you look back on some of what rebellion looked like, like weed was the safest option for a lot of these people. Their parents yeah, should have yeah. encouraged them to smoke. Yeah, people don't realize that mostly weed just like chills you out and, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. But it leads to crack cocaine. So you really got to be careful. Every it's single gay. time it leads to crack. <laughs> I can't I can't do I can't do weed. I get paranoid when I smoke weed personally. But yeah, that's when just was the me. first time you when was the first time you smoked? weed? Was it in your Christian days? <laughs> Yeah, it was. So I also did a lot of um, theater in high school. And okay. the first time I smoked weed was like with a group of theater kids. There was like the there was like the one family of the theater kids that was like the one who would supply weed to everyone, basically. And <laughs> did that so, feel um, like did that feel super nuts that you were smoking weed at the time? Like, did you get nervous? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like uh, interestingly, I didn't get as paranoid the first time for some reason. But yeah, it definitely felt like something I shouldn't be doing. And it was definitely the thing where all the Christian homeschooled kids were like, stay away from that family. They're the ones who are the bad kids who keep giving weed to everyone. (laughs) Here, take this weed. Yeah. So, okay, All right. You were homeschooled. You did homeschool co-op and that that's what you did through high school. Yeah, I did that through high school. But then when I was 16, I. Uh, went to community college early, which is something that a lot of uh, homeschooled kids would do. Yeah. So when I was 16, I started going, um, uh, getting my like associate's degree. And so then 16 through 18, I like went to community college. And then 18, I moved to L.A. <laughs> just like out of nowhere. Really? <laughs> yeah. Were you, were you still feeling the like? Were you still feeling the, cause you don't consider yourself a Christian anymore. Is that right? No, I don't. So like when, when did that start happening? Did you, were you feeling that in high, like all through high school and, or is it just kind of something you did cause you were part of it? Was it not really like a big connector for you? So yeah, I was very connected to Christianity all throughout high school. Um, and I was the worship leader for my youth group. So I was very involved with that, but then I was also trying to get into doing like comedy and things. And I was sort of grinding up against this resistance from my parents of like, Oh, you want to make sure that you're being a good influence with the jokes that you make? Because if you make a joke, that's too offensive, you know, what are the people in youth group going to say? They're going to say that you're being, you know, this joke isn't going to be a good um, light to the Lord and bring people to God or whatever. So I was kind of um, meeting up with that resistance. But when I was 18, I was on uh, America's got talent, the TV show. Oh, no way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that was like my first big sort of break, I guess. And then after I was on there, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to move out to L.A. and get an agency out there and try to like make it in the entertainment industry. And I think once I moved away from home and was living on my own, that's when the faith thing kind of started to fall apart. Um, But I I think the, the first signs that it was falling apart was in like my last few years of high school. I would just not want to get up and go to church on Sunday morning. I would just be like, I really don't want to go. And thankfully, my parents were like, you know, you're getting old enough that you can make your own decisions. So they would just let me stay home. Um, But there was some friction there of like, you're being a bad influence. 
you're saying you're the worship leader and then you're not showing up on Sunday morning. Like what's going on here? So I feel like there's, that's probably like the impetus for a lot of people starting to drift from the faith is when it's like clashing up against something that they actually love and they have Mm -hmm. to now decide, do, am I actually serious about this? Or is this just a thing that I do that now is in the way of what I want? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I think there could have been a way that I could have, you know, gone the Christian comedy route and tried to, you know, juggle both at the same time. And, you know, I don't think that necessarily making edgy, edgy jokes means that you're not a Christian or something, but that's just kind of the vibe I was getting from the very conservative Christian church that I was going to, you know? Yeah, for sure. It definitely means you can't be a Christian. It is weird. Cause like if you were, if you were like a somewhat cleanish comic, and people found out you were a Christian, they would be like, oh, that's amazing. We love that. We found this out about this guy who's not too bad. I mean, he swears a little bit. Like, they they give you a much bigger pass if they found out you were a Christian after the fact. But, like, people who do Christian comedy and then try to, like, phase out of it. or like, Christian comedy is a lane. It's a thing. It's not like... yeah. You could be a Christian and then a comic, and then they you might get a pass by some people, depending on how... Uh, how dirty you were like Pete Holmes is one of the, like, you know, like that kind of vibe. Yeah. It's like not too bad, but it is funny. The Christian comedy route thing though, because it's generally like not funny unless you're. A Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't gone back and watched much Christian comedy since I've not been a Christian. So maybe I wouldn't enjoy the things that I did enjoy back when I was in high school, but I will say I think Christian comedy can be one of the most difficult routes that you can choose for yourself because you have put this hyper uh, magnifying glass on yourself identifying as a Christian comedian because I have a a Christian comedian friend named Jaron and he's told me all these stories about how he'll make a joke that's a little bit, you know, a little bit on the line and then he'll get a hundred Facebook messages from Karen's being like, I thought you said you were a Christian comedian. What is this joke that you just made? <laughs> he, he like constantly deals with that. So I, I definitely think that there's some truth to just doing what you want and then maybe slipping in the ear Christian. Like I think maybe like Chris Pratt, you know, has done that where he just kind of did whatever. And then, you know, says, Oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Right. right. Well, you know, and like a, a comedic genius, like Mark Lowry is kind of a once in a generation thing. So, I mean, it's not really a bar you can set for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for I sure. Know, I don't, I don't I know if I know Mark Lowry. I'm like, yeah, that was an ironic statement. <laughs> oh, it's Mark Lowry not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I junior was... high me thinking he wasn't funny, so I can't imagine what m- me now would think of his comedy. <laughs> My yeah. my example of what I thought was funny was like Tim Hawkins. Have you ever heard of Tim Hawkins? He was a Christian yes. comedian that I liked. Yeah. He's so like okay. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Great. No <laughs> I mean, issues with him. It wasn't a, at the time I was like, he was one, he got a pass. He got the Christian comedian pass. So yeah. my company, I, I can't remember if I've told this story on here, so I'll, I'll give you the abridged version, but like my company is super conservative, like praise at meetings and stuff like that says the pledge of allegiance before we start. Mm. And they usually we have like this big convention every year and there's always like a speaker or something that they hire to come in. Well, one year they wanted to hire a comedian. They decided to go with a Christian comedian. They thought they were hiring Tim Hawkins, but they actually hired a guy named Tim Wilson. Okay. 
he's like uh he was on Bob and Tom all the time, but he's like a real rough around the edges, like roadhouse comedian that made funny songs and stuff. And they had, he, was he not no a Christian? No. <laughs> <laughs> this guy shows up and it sounds like comedians hate doing these corporate gigs anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but he showed up and they're like, oh, well, you do you have clean material? You, you do, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> Dude, he played, he did like 45 minutes to a crowd that barely cracked a smile. Oh, no. Oh, I can't I can't imagine being in that dude's shoes. Oh, that would suck so much that you're <laughs> stuck suffering just because people hired the wrong guy. Like, that would be awful. Oh, yeah. People walked out. It was funny. It was funny. It was just like it was the worst environment for it. Yeah. <laughs> you're the only one laughing in the corner, Casey. Is that what it was? Yeah, there was like a handful of the non super religious people there that were laughing. But yeah, everybody else was scowling. That's yeah. I think that might be my personal nightmare. Like performing <laughs> yeah, right. to a crowd that isn't laughing is like the worst thing for a comedian. Now, do you do stand up as well? I haven't done much of it. I did stand up. So I did like musical comedy um, playing like a funny song on America's Got Talent. Um, but that's one of like the few times that I've really done that sort of thing. So I really want to get into doing it more. Um, but I haven't done much of live comedy. Definitely in the next year, as things start opening up, I want to start stepping into that world more, especially because I've grown somewhat of an audience. And for me, I think um, it takes a lot of the pressure off if, you know, you're performing and the audience already knows who you are and they already know your style and they already like you, you know, rather than just going to open mic nights where you're just have a crowd of random people and who the fuck knows if they're going to enjoy it or not. So, yeah, I've done a little bit of open mic night stuff and it has not gone well. Yeah, it's been real rough (laughs) i'm telling you that's one of the worst feelings is is just making a joke you think is funny and getting no response like yeah that is i mean it's uncomfortable when that happens just amongst uh you know people that are acquaintances you throw something out there thinking you're gonna be a hit and you're like like a mark lowry reference uh, yeah yeah yeah, the classic mark lowry reference (laughs) you're like i'm just not gonna even try to make friends with any of these people because this was the worst first impression of all time dude so what did your parents think as you started to kind of go your own direction um interestingly enough i so i was getting more and more friction and and sort of pushback as i was um going my own way but then once i sort of came out to them that i wasn't a christian anymore the pushback got a lot less because now I wasn't like being a bad example for the faith, you know, from their perspective. Now I'm someone who's not in the faith, so they didn't um, feel as conflicted by it. I will say that they still give me pushback whenever I make uh, very sexual jokes. That to them is, is like where <laughs> do we have and the I, same I, parents? <laughs> I, I understand as well that it's uncomfortable to hear that as the parent of, someone just hearing them talk about that sort of thing. So I can't blame them too much as far as that goes, but thankfully they've been really, um, they've been really supportive. That's nice. I mean, I imagine that makes it a lot easier. I feel like with a lot of people who have, who drift out of it, I mean, that's the, I mean, one of the things we've like just heard so many times from so many people. Um, and I mean, Casey's in the, kind of in the boat too, where it's like people who shift out, they never have that conversation with their parents. They're like, they're, 
that comes with so much anxiety. There's so much like pressure on them to like, because I mean, I guess some of it has to do with them just not wanting to disappoint their parents. Some of it has to do with like, no one ever brings it up because the parents don't really want to hear it. And it creates a lot of discomfort and friction for, uh, I mean, the amount of people that I'm realizing are going through that's pretty wild. That's interesting. I didn't know that there was a common thing of just never bringing up the topic. Really? They're, my parents are treating it like they treated sex education. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> like if we just pretend it's not real, maybe he'll, maybe he'll just never have sex. <laughs> yeah, I I had no sex ed class in high school or anything. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever taken a sex ed class. Yeah, homeschool co-ops don't usually um, contract somebody for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The only sex ed I got was from my youth group saying, "Don't have it." <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Dude, Dude, so uh, moving to LA was that like a complete culture shock? I mean, where are you originally from? I'm from Kansas originally. So, yes, yeah. a very, very, very big culture shock for sure. What, what part of Kansas? Uh, Kansas City. Okay. I'm in Wichita. Oh, nice. Yeah, Wichita is even a little bit more, uh, would be probably even more of a culture shock from going to L.A. We're bumpkins for sure. But yeah. I do have an apartment in uh, Overland Park. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's um, right. Ten minutes from me. There we go. You guys could have been, but you guys could have almost been in the same. Uh, oh, you weren't there as a kid, Casey. I was going to say, I'm surprised you guys didn't run into each other in your uh, Christian adventures. Yeah, it's right. only an enormous city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some, sometimes people don't realize that Kansas City and Kansas is still pretty big. You know, it's not just the, you know, we know every single one of our neighbors, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but LA had to be. Like, did you, so did you have any contacts there or did you just kind of like, I'm going and I'll figure it out? So I actually got like, I was basically just emailing a bunch of agencies out in LA, like, Hey, I was just on America's Got Talent. Do you want to represent me? And I actually got um, an agency that was interested and agreed to sign me. So that was kind of the thing I was like, okay, I got an agency that's interested. So then I moved out there and got a job working at a restaurant and then, uh, unfortunately the opportunities from that were pretty dry. I didn't really get many auditions that I was sent out to nothing really happened from that. Um, so then I ended up moving back home after about a year and a half or so, cause that just didn't, it wasn't what I hoped it would be. I think that is a thing that happens a lot with people who, you know, chase the dream of going to LA and then realize, Oh, actually this isn't just going to, I'm not just going to instantly get a huge role in a TV show and then become super famous, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it seems like such a hard place to survive. just like the cost of living and just the amount of people that are there trying to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was difficult, but yeah, that, that was definitely when I, um, I think when I was out in LA the first time was when I fully, fell away from the faith. I had my my parents being like, you should get um, you should find a church out there, because if you find a church, then you'll have like a good supportive environment of people, you know, of um, people who can help you. And I definitely agree with, you know, sometimes churches can be a place to meet friends and find like minded people. But I tried visiting one church and I was just like, oh, I'm just really not feeling this. I really don't think that this is right for me. And then around then is sort of when I decided. Um, but interestingly enough, there's another 
part of the story I haven't told. So when I was still living in Kansas City, like right before I moved out, I uh, met my girlfriend on the Internet. Yeah. And my girlfriend. Yeah. My girlfriend, she lives in Australia, <laughs> which <laughs> definitely my family thought that she was fake when I first um, first mentioned her to them. So she she is um she's an atheist. Um, and so as I'm moving out to L.A. on my own, I'm definitely talking to her and having conversations where we were discussing faith and things and she's questioning why i believe the things that i do and then i'm realizing well yeah why do i believe the things that i do i'm not exactly not exactly sure as far as that goes um so that is kind of talking with her is when i i realized that i didn't really believe it anymore um and we have actually been dating now for over four years so oh there oh, you wow. go yeah it's so funny like ended up working out how you as you start to like as doubt starts to kind of creep in and you get less committed to the faith as a whole, you really start to scratch your head at certain ideas that you're like, uh, I, do I have the conviction to stand by this anymore? The one we always say is like a guy getting eaten by a fish and, and then getting spit up like a week later. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, I don't know about you, but, but like my upbringing was, the Bible is 100% true, exactly how it's written. It is the inerrant word of God. To question one thing is to throw the whole Bible away. Yep. Yeah, and- I had that exact same thing. And that's why that's why I never really had much of a transition into like being a progressive Christian, which, you know, a lot of people in L.A. would be more like progressive Christians. But because I, w- I was pounded so hard with that idea of like, you have to accept all of it or none of it. I, I was just like, well, I don't accept all of it, so I guess I accept none of it. And then, like, that kind of... You're like, shit, shit, we know. Dude, they you set you up for it. it. Yeah. It's like, you guys really mean, set the table for me to be, uh, to leave. <laughs> to just leave right away, yeah. Like, I could have had a slow, you know, maybe been a progressive Christian, but no, I was like, well, I guess I'm done with it, so... <laughs> it's funny it's like the difference between like like sam and and me is like sam has such a more uh nuanced perspective on christianity and i feel like you have a real like you really identify with a lot of the ideals and the person of jesus and all this stuff and like for me it was just like a list of rules that i was paranoid about and then when finally i was like you know I don't know about this part. Like, I don't know about all of it. On to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the same. I mean, I definitely, a lot of the um, principles that I was taught growing up, I definitely still agree with. Like, I like the part of in the Bible of like, treat other people with love and, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and try and, you know, care for the poor and make the world a better place and all those sorts of things. Like, I, I definitely like those teachings from Jesus. But, um, but as far as I think for me, what really got to me was looking at certain old Testament passages, like the one describing how to sell your daughter into slavery and the ones saying stone people to death. If you find two men having sex with each other or the ones where Jesus said, go in and murder every man, woman and child in this city. I think those were like the ones where I was like, yeah, I, I don't think that this book came from a God. I think it probably was written by men trying to justify, <laughs> trying to justify the bad things that they want to do. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to split hairs. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's, <laughs> like the amount of effort that goes into trying to make that work is, I just don't, I, I, it's lost on me at this point. Cause I mean, I used to try to make that work, Like, well, you know, that's because, and then you would kind of get into this like long winded explanation of why God was different then. And you're like, well, but then God doesn't change. And you're like, well, uh, well he didn't change, but like circumstances did, I guess. I don't know. And then you like, really start pedaling back and it gets so it's like so stressful to have to like have an entire system of belief that's built on trying to explain why it's not wrong as opposed to like (laughs) yeah genocide yeah i feel like at the end of the day you just kind of have to you hit the brick wall of just i'm a human and i don't understand and god is god and god has the you know has the knowledge so i can't fully understand what god says you know it's funny the only time I ever experienced people uh, defaulting to the concept of mystery is like when they just couldn't answer a question about any a certain criticism. They're like, well, you know, God's a mystery. And you're like, well, you didn't say that the past four hours when you explained to me, you know, why the earth is 6,000 <laughs> yeah. years old and carbon dating doesn't work. <laughs> but when it comes to, uh, I don't know, genocide, all of a sudden God's a mystery. This is getting a little... A little well, yeah, strange. You, you don't <laughs> seem to think God's a mystery when you discuss like homosexuality. There, you think it's pretty set in stone, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We all had the similar experience with that. <laughs> so, are so where are you guys at, like currently, belief wise? Are you fully detransitioned from um, the church, or I'm out completely. I I'm... think of myself as like an an apathetic agnostic. Mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, but I, I mean, it depends on who you ask. We keep, we go back to it from time to time. We had this guy on the podcast who was like a, just a conservative evangelical type, just, uh, you know, have a conversation with him. He had reached out to us and he was, he was a nice guy. And we're like, you know, this could be a fun conversation to just get into it with someone who kind of represents the old ideologies. And, um, mm-hmm. I put him into a fun position where after we had our conversation for about an hour and a half, I was like, so based on any the things that I've said, like, am I, do I count? Am I a Christian? He's like, I mean, I have to say, no, I don't think you are. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> but I, it's funny. I still, actually but is, do... isn't that a whole thing that you're not supposed to determine whether or not someone's a Christian, <laughs> but you, they say that, but when you, um, when you, I, I wish I could recall all the. I mean, to rehash everything, I guess, is a bit much. But when you denounce any of the dogmatism that they're coming from, and you know, you don't think you don't think hell exists, and that you don't think people need to be a Christian or need to care about it at all, like there's when, when you stop making any sort of rules for anybody else, and it's just not. For me, it was just like a personal choice where I had the language. I generally feel like a somewhat spiritual person most of the time i'm not but occasionally i feel like i have experiences that are that i would identify as spiritual usually they're not anything associated with christianity or christian things but um but i do still go i still participate in like a small church and it's but it's it, to me it's just a for for me it this is like um something that i can operate in well i mean i do believe in I guess some of the tenants, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I believe about it. It just works for me. It's the easiest way to put it. I don't, when, if you're going to ask me about to be dogmatic about whether or not the certain miracles happened or like Jesus rose from the dead and things like that. I'm like, I don't know. No one really knows any of that, but like 
probably not. I don't know. I just he, don't he has think all about the it. trappings of a Christian. Just you know, he voted for Biden, so he doesn't get to be in the club. Yeah. Uh, so you're <laughs> not a real. Yeah. So there, there, you can tell you're not a real Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think. I think. Yeah. I think one of the the biggest things that I always had an issue with is this whole idea that you have to have everything nailed down. You have to know exactly what you believe, and you have to be able to say, I know that this is what happened. And then I know this is what happened. And I know this is because I, I wasn't yeah. there. I have no idea. All I can go off of is, you know, either the Bible or what historians say. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's I, like, you I, don't, you can't have a, like you in the super conservative circles, like I was from, it's like, it's not enough to just claim the title. Like you have to be an apologist. You mm, have to like right. learn the arguments in case someone like challenges a notion that you should be able to quote scripture and de- and defend whatever the idea is, you know. And I got yeah. I, mean, I got super into that stuff. I I was a big apologetics guy for a bit. I you know it, got a Bible degree for God's sake. So it's like it, that. I thought about that a lot. Did you know? Um, did you ever read any of the apologetics books, like the big ones, like um, like Lee Strobel and stuff like that, Ryan? I never quite got to that level but i did um i i did take a debate class when i was at my christian school and they made us debate you know is evolution real is (laughs) is climate change real or you know i think we did have a debate that was just like try to debate christianity or atheism and then we had to sort of go through the i know they made us watch i think it was like ken ham versus bill nye or something there was like a big debate that they did (laughs) yeah that was the master debate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, being that like music is obviously a big part of your life. Like, were you into Christian music or were you kind of always that wasn't like a, a big thing for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was only allowed to listen to Christian music at the beginning. And then I like slowly branched into checking out other other music. But I still have a connection to certain Christian artists like um Reliant K, I think, is my like one of my favorite artists. I I love their music, and I still to this day, you know, I've seen them put out um, statements about things that I definitely agree with. So I, I I don't you know necessarily, I'll still listen to Christian music from time to time. But yeah, I definitely made that journey of only being allowed to listen to Christian music, and then slowly listening to a few other artists, and then eventually just listening to whatever. So Reliant K is just really good. I think they're yeah. I'm 100% with you on that. They trans like I following that. I didn't listen to the like, Christian music when I was in high school very much. So when they were like doing their earlier albums, I, I don't, I didn't know them. I ended up going back to them and, and enjoyed them, but they were one of those Christian bands that like didn't feel beholden to making youth group kids clap, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they got like good, like, like their music stayed good. It, tra- it, tra- it got a lot more mature. Their lyrical content was always on like, just, I thought fantastic. So I'm totally yeah, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't like, how can we get these buzzwords in the song so that it'll, you know, that we can perform at winter jam or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> What's some other ones? Um, I really like Switchfoot. Switchfoot's good. Uh, Reliant K, Switchfoot. I always really liked uh, David Crowder's music. Oh, um, yeah. He had some good stuff. I'm trying to think. Oh, Gunger. I loved G- Gunger was actually a band that uh, kind of helped me move away from Christianity because they they um 
started as a very conservative Christian group. And now they're very, very progressive. And I don't even know if they consider themselves Christian anymore, but it was interesting. That was a band that um, they sort of dealt with being ostracized from the Christian community because of certain things that they said and that they believed certain ways. And yeah, so I think those were definitely artists that I still enjoy. I haven't actually heard of that one. Younger, really? Yeah, you should you should check them out. They um they are very diverse in their like musical styles and they became kind of kind of weird and avant garde as they went on in their musical journey. As far. So do, do you know Gunger, Sam? Have you heard? Yeah, before? I used to. He had um he did a pod. Michael Gunger did a podcast for a while. I don't know if he still does it. I don't know. It's called The Liturgist. Um, yeah, I listened to that as well. OK, right. So it's like that's that was um one of those one that came kind of around that time a bunch of like i feel like within a certain like three year span a lot of progressive christian pod it's like they realized that that was the only that was the platform for them of course they don't get a mm-hmm. voice anywhere else like but as podcasting blew up progressive christians took to that and i mean the, there's plenty of conservative christian podcasts like like well every mega church puts their sermons out as a podcast so if you want to listen to Stephen furtick just rant and rave then you know he's available yeah. but that sounds <laughs> great <laughs> so as far as uh, <laughs> go ahead i was just gonna ask as far as like what he was saying about um the whole like all the bible has to be true or none of it is true what where do you fall on that like that sort of belief like you don't agree with that necessarily yeah no not at all i don't i mean it doesn't none of a true I, t- calling it true or not true i think is a weird way to put it i think it's just like i i think depending on what you're reading and wh- i mean it's all different books different authors different reasons they were written mm-hmm. like so it just gets a little bit convoluted to say true or not because i don't think any, i mean even most of the old testament i don't think anyone wrote it with the intention of being true and, and you can yeah. see where different like the first and second chronicles you know you would if did you were you one of those kids that read the whole Bible? Did you? Read I didn't it much? read. I didn't read the whole Bible, but I did. I, I was one of those kids who they would tell to read the Bible, and then I wouldn't as much as they wanted me to. <laughs> so I, but I, I definitely I know I know the gist of the different the different books and who wrote them and all that. You know, Paul yeah. wrote a bunch of the New Testament. Right. So like that's a good Chronicles, start. It, yeah, that's a great thing. <laughs> Which ones did Jesus write? Well, I forget what books Jesus wrote. Did he write any of them? Uh, um, all of them, divine inspiration. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, is that a me. trick question? Yeah. <laughs> I think, no, Jesus just wrote Song of Solomon. That was the one that Jesus yeah. wrote. <laughs> the only one directly authored by him was the one that's like Christian Karma Sutra. Yeah. <laughs> he never had sex. The guy just needed an outlet for Christ's sake. For his sake, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember reading like King James Version Song of Solomon and feeling like like it was kind of dangerous. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> Ooh, I guess this does get to be in the Bible, but it feels like it shouldn't be. Yeah. Like your breasts are like two ferns. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it does say breasts, so there's it says uh, something about the discharge of donkeys at some point. I think, oh, yeah. or yeah, what is, yeah, it's, what? Uh, yeah, you don't know that one. <laughs> no, yeah. I probably didn't catch discharge at that age. I was like, I was yeah, like, whose emissions are like that of a donkey or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta reread Song of Solomon now. It's, it's in the passage where they're slut shaming somebody. I forget who, but. Oh yeah. yeah, of course, dude. How big a load does a donkey emit? 
It's a gotta check out ever- Song of Solomon to find out. <laughs> they, they How many cubits? cubits? <laughs> oh man, he doth emit a furlong. <laughs> Everybody knows cubits. <laughs> Wasn't cubits like used to to with like Noah's Ark or something? Yeah, yeah. Like to measure Noah's Ark, yeah. You it's would like use a one totally cubit to artificially inseminate a horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think that is pretty accurate. I think you got to get in there because they make those shoulder length gloves, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I think I saw Johnny Knoxville do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget the time that I this. Okay, we'll just detour a little bit more. Uh, what was the Tom Green movie? Uh, was road? Did he do a road trip or Freddie? Freddie got fingered. Freddie got Green, fingered, right? I so I never watched like I never watched those like filthy movies. And but I remember being at my grandmother's house once, and she had I, I would sleep in the living room, me and my brother, and you know, so we would always watch the movies we weren't supposed to that were on TV. Because they would have like HBO or something, and so I it was one it was some Tom Green movie, and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm gonna watch this because it's funny. I'm not allowed to watch Tom Green stuff, and I remember being like disgusted at the age I was when I watched it because I don't know anything other than the, like what I saw when I changed it, and but Tom Green was like flopping a horse's dick around and just laughing his <laughs> ass off, and I'm like, what? This isn't what I thought I was going to watch. I thought I was going to go to hell because I just watched bestiality and I'm concerned about my soul for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Why am I hard? <laughs> some of those some of those movies are a little bit fucked up. Those comedies from like the 2000s. Yeah. Dude, it's, it dude was that's a, a great question. What was uh, a movie or an album that was like considered suspect? Like you weren't you wanted to see it, but you weren't allowed to. Oh, God. Um. Well, I remember yeah, no, really wanting to watch. Um, I remember really wanting to watch Lord of the Rings, but that wasn't. Uh, I mean, that one wasn't that bad. But that was just something that I was like, "Please, mom and dad, please let me watch Lord of the Rings." They wouldn't and let then, you watch Lord of the Rings. No, well, it, I think once I turned like fourteen, they did. But ever since I was a kid, I had heard about it, and it was this majestic movie that I wanted to watch so bad. They're like, at oh, the age man. of fourteen, you'll be ready to process. Yeah, this material. We will sit you down, and this is the time, son. <laughs> but I'm trying to remember if there was like a sexual thing, or I mean, definitely like finding out about porn was a weird was a weird thing. <laughs> so oh, thing. did you ever get caught watching porn? Uh, yeah, sort of. I definitely had some very <laughs> some very awkward. You it was it was talking about the worst. <laughs> it was it was more the. Uh, them looking through my search history and finding like yeah that's okay so that's the better option it's not like you got caught mid never <laughs> mid yeah it must so sam and i are too old man like back when uh we were young gohards like you the internet was so bad that like you would click the back button and it was a 20 second yeah, reloading process yeah and if you panicked and you hit it again and again and again, it added like 10 seconds every time you clicked it. So eventually you just had to like headbutt the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you just either had to accept your fate or destroy your computer. Those are the two, the two options. I was, I was one of the most nervous kids of all time. So like 
that was like a scary thing for me to do. Like, and I wasn't, I was homeschooled, you know, my mom's a stay at home mom. Like that wasn't something you, you really got a lot of opportunities to do. But like when you did, there was like, you're like, Oh, like your mom goes and you know, she's not going to be bad for an hour. So you type boobs into the search bar real quick. Yeah. You're like 14, <laughs> 15 years old. And then <laughs> God, this is, this memory just came flooding back when you talked about smashing your face into the screen. And then like, you, you're like, I guess I'll just click that. Like every, obviously all the options come, there's no like pictures or anything. You're just like, I'm gonna, uh, what, what, I guess I'll just click the first the one that shows come. up. Yeah, I know. Cause that's how the internet works. Well, so then it brings you to the screen and then like 10 million pop-ups just go pop, 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 they're coming up faster than you can click the X's. And you're like, I haven't even seen boobs yet. Like, and then, but you're it's just not worth it. inundated, inundated. And then, <laughs> then I hear like the garage reopened because my mom forgot something. She's coming back. And I'm like, sick. And then you just like hit the power button. And she comes in right when the screen shuts off. You're like, ah, computer froze. <laughs> you had to chew through the power cord like a rat. <laughs> Now, now that we're talking about it, I actually remember. So my parents had like a they had like a blocking software on the computer so that you couldn't just search for whatever. Of course. Um, so the first times that I was trying to find stuff was by searching for things on Wikipedia. <laughs> I would like search for like nudity on Wikipedia. <laughs> a picture would pop up. So that oh, that was like my first because Wikipedia wasn't blocked. So, that so was and, uh, did you ask Jeeves about vagina? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Jeeves. it's funny. I'm like, dude, uh, like teenage boys are the most creative at finding like detectives. You know, yeah. Like, I think bef- before the it- internet. It was like, oh, we, we got like when you guys buy a crappy old computer, they would give you like these like entry level versions of programs, you know, on a CD. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'd always give you an encyclopedia. So I remember like we had Encarta 95 on our crappy. Oh, old my computer. God, that's right. Yeah. And so I just remember like like tirelessly searching through Encarta 95 to find like Renaissance paintings. <laughs> oh my god yeah and then yeah, but... like printing I, I printed one and you remember like trying to print a, remember like in 1998 trying to print a picture and yeah, it's like, just like meh, 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 yeah it was like meh. a 30 second delay and then it would make one bar it would go yeah and then it would stay and yeah and so like, oh, I had like I a nervous 30 minutes I hope they won't find my won't find my Renaissance paintings, please. <laughs> I had a friend that did that. He tried to print a picture of a topless woman, and it um it didn't print right away. Something was up, and then it ended up printing later. And the computer was his parents' bedroom, so they just they just found the picture sitting in the printer <laughs> like three hours later. <laughs> oh no! But yeah, I I definitely believe that like if you try to force kids not to do something, they're going to like find a way to get around it. That's why I think like just having open communication is so much better. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like you're not going to stifle a teenage boys disgusting impulses. And like, if you, if you remove all normal material, 
they're going to find something and it's going to be weird and scary. <laughs> it's going to be weird. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, oh, I didn't know I was into this. And then you're going to end up with some weird, kinky, post-pubescent boy living in your house. Dude, exactly. Ruined forever. Like, that's yeah. the guy that messages April about, like, photoshopping her into a picture where she's at 80 feet tall and stomping on him. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I thought that was completely normal. That's all I could find on the internet. So. Yeah, right. It seems like what everyone was into. The message board on that website. On the message like board active. I found, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. Who, who thought we were going to end up talking about uh, all the weird habits of pre of uh, boys going through puberty here? I, this That's was, definitely uh, something I haven't. Yeah, it's a memory that I try to keep uh, repressed for the most part. <laughs> So thank you for forcing me to relive all yeah. that. Yeah, those were terrible times. Being like that you led the worship, like that was, so I was in a worship band for a minute. Mm-hmm. And like as as bland and tame as all of us were, not as a band, but as people, like there was always something that was controversial that we did. Like we played a song in a certain way and people would get upset and stuff. Mm. Like, did you ever get in trouble for like pushing the envelope somehow as a worship leader? Well, were you in a church where they were like rock music is not a good thing or like how, how conservative was it? Like very conservative. Like people got mad when they started like putting the lyrics to the songs up on the overhead. Why? People got mad. They were like, you know, in church, you sing out of a hymnal. And this is, you know, they like there was people that refused to look up at it and they would just sit there with their hymnal while it was on the wall. <laughs> I wish they yeah, turned around it's, instead. It's, <laughs> it's just this endless mentality of everything the way it is, is always better than any possible improvement that we could make to something like and it's just so tiring. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, speaking of Gunger before, um, I loved playing Gunger music um, when I was leading worship. And then one day the pastor had to come to me and be like, yeah, so Michael Gunger recently said something that was very uh, controversial. So you're not going to be allowed to play his songs anymore in youth group. I was like, what? I, I don't me playing a song doesn't mean I'm endorsing everything that Gunger has ever said, but I guess that's the, he was afraid that if I play a Gunger song that I was going to get a parent who's like, Oh, how are they playing music from this heathen? You know, it's funny. Cause like, it's like the con it's like, uh, say someone has a Christian band and then, you know, someone goes off and does like a solo thing and they're not, it's not Christian anymore. Like, we can't listen to that old Christian band now because it's like the content of the music didn't change. It's the exact same. I find that so strange. Christians yep. are the original cancel culture instigators. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact. And it's so funny that so, so many of them complain about cancel culture now that it's affecting them, but they were the ones who were pushing it back in the day. Like, but yeah, that is an interesting conversation to be had of can you separate the art from the artist? And I don't know if there's really like a, a clear answer on that. Like Depends Bill, on what they did, you know? Going back to Bill Cosby. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not going to be watching the Cosby show anytime soon, but... No, uh, yeah, there's a line you can cross for sure. Uh, and Cosby crossed it. And then that, that total lack of remorse and sociopathy that went along with it didn't help. So. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That yeah, I feel like... 
there's certain there's certain things that the Christian community, like the conservative Christian community, will forgive, and others that they won't, and they will mm. not forgive you for making a statement like a pro-choice statement. Mm. You know, no, but like they will forgive you for getting peed on by a bunch of Russian prostitutes while visiting the food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Simpler. Like, if you got caught on tape saying the N-word, like, they'll yeah. probably forgive you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep wondering, like, with Jerry Jr., Jerry Follow Jr., like, because there's they have such a discomfort with any type of sexual material. Like, he's... Like in the room watching a young stud like bang his wife, which has to upset them to their core. Will they forgive him for that if he's just Republican enough? I don't know. I guess so. They, yeah, they did. They did. He's fine. <laughs> he's fine. Jerry Jr. Yeah, everyone's OK with him. Huh. Yeah, it, it that is definitely something that I always found interesting of like when when do people say that we should extend God's forgiveness and when is it I think yeah I think it's anytime someone says something that like threatens the entire faith or threatens something that we think that we believe in that's like when they won't do forgiveness but you know it just it kind of depends yeah that, I think you're spot on with that that's a great point <laughs> if it's anything regarding the faith or yeah goes contrary to the status quo of their beliefs but if it's like Look, he said, like Casey mentioned the N word. It's like, oh, we just said it one time. It was an accident. What's the big deal? It's like, well, you know, racism that's floating is a big around deal. in your brain. That's the big <laughs> <Yeah>. deal. <laughs> but then it's yeah, not, the fact you know, that that's I mean, in your vocabulary is a is an issue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, I think that's pretty spot on there. Okay, Ryan, I want to I want to jump into a little bit more of like your work and what you what you're doing and why and like kind of. I know you mentioned you went to LA and that didn't really work out. You moved back home, but I want to, yeah, I want to talk about how you got into kind of doing your, your form of comedy and how, like what, what started that? What was like one of the first, like what was the first thing that made you think this is, this is the lane that I'm picking. I'm um, sure America's got talent jumping off of that. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. America's got talent was like the first thing. Um, and then, yeah, I just got very frustrated with LA because I wasn't, you know, things weren't going the way that I wanted them to. And I think one of the things I really hated about being in L.A. was you always felt like kind of a prop in every, you know, it's like this huge machine and you're just one cog in it and you have to play your part and do your thing. And then you're, you know, you're done, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. But as a, like a creative person, I definitely was feeling like, oh, I want to be able to kind of have creative control over the whole process which is why I definitely gravitated towards making things for for YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, because when I do that, I get to be the writer. I get to be the director, the cinematographer. I get to, you know, get better at acting. And that's just really fulfilling to me that I have like full creative control over everything. Um, but I would say definitely um, like Bo Burnham was one of my biggest inspirations sure, starting yeah. out. I love Bo Burnham and this guy named um, Tim Minchin. Um, they're two two musical comedians, and I'd say like those guys, and then different people who I'd watch on YouTube, different um, comedy things, sort of informed me starting out doing that. Um, but yeah, it was it was tough for for about three years or so. I wasn't having much success. You you go through this um, big high of being on America's Got Talent, and you know you 
gain 4,000 followers overnight and you're like, wow, this is crazy. This is awesome. And then just for the next three years, it just slowly goes down because. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. People it's, unfollowed it's, you? I didn't know people Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, yeah. That's the worst. That's the worst feeling is I got to like 4,500 followers on Instagram. And then every time I would post on Instagram, I would lose like 20 followers. So oh. it was like it was like the opposite of it just feels like your career is moving backwards. And that's the hardest feeling that I you don't necessarily hear people talk about because you just hear about the success stories, but you don't hear about the person who's on TV one time and then has to deal with the next three years of slowly <laughs> going in, in reverse. But, but yeah, thankfully I, a uh, few years ago started getting some success on um, TikTok. That's where I like first started gaining success again. And I was working in a restaurant um, that I wasn't like really loving the environment there. So I j was just like, you know what, I'm going to start making a video every single day and I'm just going to put it on TikTok. And I feel like there's, some capabilities for for growing on here by putting out like high quality content because there aren't many people putting a lot of effort into their videos on TikTok, and then thankfully that started snowballing eventually and then um yeah for the last two years i've just been making funny videos for the internet which has been really fun dude that's so, like were you in la or in uh kansas city again when you were like working at the restaurant and stuff Okay, so I worked. <laughs> uh, so I I moved from LA back to Kansas, and then once I was in Kansas, I got a job in like a fine dining restaurant, um, which I was like, see, I'm like moving up in the hierarchy of restaurants. But then you realize, like, you, now you're just having to deal with a bunch of snobby rich people, uh, <laughs> sh you know, who shit on you and don't believe that you deserve the money that you get from them. Um, so I was working in this fine dining restaurant, and then the restaurant said we're opening up a new location in la so i was like <laughs> i was like oh okay um maybe i could try la again so i moved out to la when they opened up the new location and then i hated it there uh so then i moved back home a second time so i've moved to la and back twice now um, but yeah, so I was working in this restaurant in LA. I was not enjoying it. It was in like the heart of Beverly Hills and I thought it was going to be awesome cause I was going to be making more money, but really it was just like dealing with the snobbiest of the snobby people in the entire country. Um, and I was actually getting a lot more people in LA who would like not leave me tips than in wow. Kansas, which I was kind of <laughs> surprised by. Like I thought, you know, LA is this liberal city that should at least understand that people need to be paid properly. But nope. Once you get to like the 1%, a lot of them are just like, see you as a non-human, you know, like you're just oh there to God. serve them food and they're, they don't want to tip you. So did you ever meet, did anyone ever, anyone famous ever come in where you got to like spit on their dinner? <laughs> well, I would, spit, I, I would spit on everyone's dinner. So, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like, yeah. No, I did, I did, I did, I did not ever do that. Uh, I'm trying to remember. We had some, f a few famous people come in. Um, oh, uh, John Cena came in a bunch of times. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was cool seeing John Cena. He seemed like he was really chill and laid back. He seems but like there a good was tipper. this. Yeah. Just but there the was tipper, this but... yeah just just the tip <laughs> but there was a there was this guy who's like a big famous plastic surgeon um in LA who came into the restaurant and then I had to serve him and his whole family and he was like so he was just so rude 
he was like, oh, this was hor- horrible service because the the as they brought the food out to us, they didn't get, do it in the correct order. Like he, you know, he expected everything to be exactly perfect. Um, and yeah, that so awful. at that point, I was just like, this is the worst. I need to get out of here. Did he offer yeah, all the waitresses food uh... jobs? <laughs> I feel like he would have, honestly. He's like, here's my card, honey. You look like you could use some bigger pair. Yeah, you could use some. <laughs> I feel like, oh, yeah. And we had this, um, we had this like extra fancy part of the restaurant, which was like this secret bar that like was supposed to be for just like celebrities and stuff. But apparently the people who went in there were being real scumbags to the waitresses and stuff. And it's just like, ah, oh, go figure. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> not super surprising. But yeah, once you definitely glimpse like the the life of the super rich people living in L.A., you definitely you're like, I, I do not want to be a part of this. <laughs> it's funny, like all like so many of the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis are comedians in and they all lived in L.A. and now they're all leaving. Yeah. And now that they're officially like leaving the place, they are just like taking a dump on all of that like they just hated it but they put up with it because it was like this is where you do this thing that i do and i have to put up with this sometimes you feel like it's where you got to be because everyone else is here and that's where you can audition for roles or whatever but yeah did you uh did you like try to do some acting stuff while you were there too um i'm trying to remember the second time i went out i was like trying to find an agency but i don't think i ever really found a new agency the second time because I was so enveloped in like working at this fancy restaurant. And then, you know, I was just was getting home feeling exhausted from the restaurant. And I'm like, my life is I want to be an entertainer, not to be a server in a fancy restaurant. So do Okay. So did you know that they're introducing Luciferian symbols into movies subliminally? People don't even know. <laughs> I've heard about it so many times that I'm surprised that people don't know at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, a family member sent me one of those videos, like not that long, maybe a year ago. Yeah. Was it the one about Hillary Clinton eating babies or whatever? Oh, I mean, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of those erotic fan fictions. Yeah. So when you, Ryan, after you drifted away from everything, did you have to turn in your, um, I mean, you were in, you were in it all through high school. So I imagine they asked for your baptism card back. Is that, that happened? (laughs) I had to do the (laughs) unbaptism where they like dry you off and you're like, you are now, (laughs) you have been unbaptized. <laughs> they just drown you in the tank in front of the con- congregation. <laughs> no, they they throw you down in an empty tank. <laughs> they dip you in a pool, and they, they all just dry you off with a bunch of towels. And they're like, "We yeah. baptize you in the name of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ." <laughs> <laughs> you need like a whole like a uh, channel on your on your social media that's just like all uh, making fun of like. Midwest Christian values. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still, I still like live with my parents, so those types of jokes are still kind of. Um, I, I did make a, I did make a. It was the video that you guys saw of me was me making fun of like being a Gen Z pastor or something. You said that that's yeah, the one yes. where 
that we loved it. That was one. That's when that was how I first got introduced to you. Casey sent that to me. Of you, it was like you addressing a youth group about how premarital sex is sus. Yeah, yeah. That's so, <laughs> so good. <laughs> but I definitely experienced that of the youth pastors trying to be hip with whatever the new phrase is, you know, and then just being so cringy about it. That's the vibe of it too, like that soft voice over music. Oh, yeah that, it's like that's i heard it i was like there's no way this guy didn't grow up in church you you don't yeah. make that unless you grew up in church you well i had been i had been that guy i had been the guy who was playing on the piano and praying and so i had firsthand experiences from it <laughs> the other one i fell in love with was the okay the i'm boomer i'm not okay how'd your parents feel about oh, yes. boomers? <laughs> They they actually were weren't too bad about that one. Yeah. Thankfully, my my parents are I consider my parents like very logical, um, caring people like they um, they're conservatives, but they like refuse to vote for Trump. And, you know, they were very That's great. They were very logical about the coronavirus. They weren't throwing around any conspiracy theories or anything. We were very safe as far as that goes. So oh, that's I awesome. Think, yeah, so I, I've been I've been very blessed that I think my parents are like my my dad is doing this thing at his university trying to, you know, help um like black students get, you know, get further in the in the program and everything, which I think is really cool. And so um definitely they're they're good people, in my opinion. It's just sometimes they run into this is just what I believe because it's what I think the Bible tells me I have to believe. And then you yeah. That's what's hard coming from our like our background is I feel like there's a real like if you didn't come from that background, it's easy to pick an issue that seems black and white to you and to to make statements like anyone who believes this is a piece of garbage and you should disregard them. You should just cut them out of your life. And yeah. when you come from our background, you're like, well, for one. I used to think that, and it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Like I had a lot of dumb ideas, you know, and two, like I know people who think that still, and they're not bad people. They're just stuck. Like they're stuck in this ideology and they can't break out because it's to break out on this idea is to challenge their entire worldview. Yeah. 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 My, um, I think my parents would be okay with me talking about this a little bit, but my dad has a, um, he has like a disease that's sort of a ongoing disease that he's not going to heal from. So definitely um, having the solace of knowing that this pain is temporary and I'm going to go somewhere where, you know, all the pain is going to be taken away and God is going to reward me for the fact that I'm being so strong through this right now. It's like, it's a really, I feel like that's the beautiful part of religion. Mm -hmm. So for me to turn around and be like, your religion's bullshit. Dad is like, you know, I'm in a privileged position where I don't I'm not having to deal with any diseases. So for me to come to him and be like, um, shut up, you know, it just would feel kind of insensitive in my perspective. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I, th I, I think that makes so much sense. And I, I feel like one of the pitfalls of like right now and the 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 place that we're all in uh, as a society is to think like to start thinking that no rational person could come to a different conclusion on a particular issue than you. Mm -hmm. Like anyone on the other side of this must be an idiot or a terrible person. 
Yeah. And there's just so many things, like especially coming from a religious religious background, there's so many things that anchor you to positions that you don't know about, but like you have to uphold because to question them is to like throw everything into question, you know? And yeah, and I'm not going to say, you know, I think that there are a lot of apologists who have come up with pretty logical reasons for why the Bible is legit. And there's a lot of very smart people who um, have explanations for all the questions that you ask about Christianity. So to just label them all as idiots, it's like that's not really going to accomplish anything, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you 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 have to decide like what you want. Do you want to try to reach these people or do you want to write them off and feel superior? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's really painting it in a black and white view that's probably not accurate, but I think the yeah, other <laughs> shades of gray to that, but yeah, I'm definitely in a position where me and my parents disagree on a lot of things, but we've been able to learn to coexist pretty well with each other. And I feel like I've, you know, I've heard a lot of stories of families where that doesn't really work out that way. And there yeah. is, you know, that rift that happens, but I, I am pretty lucky to be in a position where me and my parents have been able to just kind of agree to disagree on the things that we disagree on and everything. But yeah, the, the thing, the thing I, that's really good about my parents is that they're always willing to listen to why I believe a certain thing. Like I had a conversation the other day with my dad about like, capitalism and he was you know he was willing to listen to why i believe certain things on you know different perspectives so. that does yeah. make me question their christian credentials yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well he he never he never uh you can have a conversation about something without having to you know he still stood firm to all his beliefs when he's talking about it you know sure well having the conversation at least the civil discourse is what we're missing often so as long as that you can get that. I feel like we've maybe accomplished something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then, yeah, the question is, is like, sometimes should you just say, okay, you've gone too far. I don't want to have civil discourse with you anymore because it's, you know, it's not worth it. And that is sometimes the answer too. And I feel like that is a, a complicated, yeah, complicated road to figure out. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. yeah there's, Navigating that is tough. I, there's definitely issues like that, that like, um, you know, I've come to with certain family members where it's like, we're not going to agree. And to talk about this is just to invite chaos, you know, like conflict. So I'm just not going to talk about this with you, you know? Yeah, I was I was um just over at my cousin's house and I was sitting with my cousin and my cousin's boyfriend and her boyfriend was like, yeah, um, she's trying to she really doesn't want me to get the vaccine because she's really worried about it. And I was just like, uh, I don't want to get into an argument about this. I was just like, well, from what I've seen, there haven't been too many side effects. And then we just moved on to a different topic. Cause I didn't want to argue about that. You know? Yeah. That's, that's definitely on that list right now. Yeah. Which, uh, which vaccine did you get? I got a uh, Pfizer. Yeah, me too. Did you get any side effects after your second shot? no worse than the first shot. I was just basically like kind of out of it and sore for a day, like sore in my arm. I got, I, I got nothing after the first shot. The second shot I got at like eight 30 in the morning. I was fine all day. And like nine 30 that night, I just started feeling like garbage. Mm-hmm. And like, I got like this chill and I just could not quit shaking. Like, I literally went to bed and I like had to concentrate to not just sit there and like shiver 
oh, to wow. the point of like convulsions, it felt like. But the next morning I woke up and I felt kind of groggy and had a headache. And by yeah. noon, I was fine. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people who don't really know about these sorts of things, they don't realize that the, that feeling like crap is actually just your body's immune system responding to it. So it can actually be a good thing to see that you have a fever that you're, you know, feeling bad because that just means that your immune system is responding to trying to kill the dead virus that they put in you. So, I mean, either that or it takes like 12 hours to sterilize yourself. <laughs> yeah, it takes, <laughs> it takes 12 hours to, <laughs> takes 12 hours to turn you gay. <laughs> Dude, I would have paid extra for the one that sterilized me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I just sent Sam a gift certificate. Yeah, have you uh, have you been vaccinated, Sam? Oh yeah, super vaxxed. So vaxxed, it's ridiculous right now. I was yeah. <laughs> Which one did you get? Pfizer, baby. Oh, we're all Pfizer boys. Pfizer yeah. boys. <laughs> Pfizer boys. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Ryan, it's been a lot of fun having you on here. I really appreciate you talking to us about your story. I had no idea you're on America's Got Talent, so that was a fun thing to learn. Now I'm going to go find those videos. Yeah, watch the first round. Do not watch the second round where I made a very cringy performance and uh, got sent <laughs> got sent home. I actually forgot to ask you how far you made it, so round two. I don't know how round many rounds. Round two, yeah, is the spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> well... Let's can I can I ask it. can I ask one thing really quick? Yeah. Um Casey, you said you're like an apathetic <laughs> agnostic. How would you like to find where you sit as far as that goes? I'm not uh so I'm not an atheist. Like I just feel like I don't know mm-hmm. and I just don't care enough to invest in finding out right now, you know. Like I, I, I feel like I spent so many years of my life, like trying to figure this out and trying to define a position, you know, I, at this point, like I'm not willing to read a book about it Mm. or to do any research. Like, and really like, I, I, I feel like Sam and I are kind of opposites in certain ways. Like Sam is a, is a big reader. And so like, we, we have like these guests on that are authors or, you know, deep into theology and stuff. And, and they've read a lot of the same things. And he has like really nuanced perspectives on that stuff. Like me, I'm not a reader. I, I, I feel like I garner all information from just talking to people and hearing their stories. Like that's what Mm -hmm. interests me more than anything. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not much of a reader either. And, and definitely my response when people are like, well, you should read this book and this book and this book. My response now is like, well, I also have a lot of other religions that I also want to study. So uh, I feel like I've gotten enough Christianity for now. I want to learn more about like I want to learn more about Islam and, you know, Hinduism and that that sort of thing, because I feel like I've gotten enough. <laughs> I've gotten enough of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I feel like I learned enough about other religions from my Christian teachers. Yeah, they did. They covered. I'm sure you got the most this. accurate, the most accurate view of those faiths from your Christian <laughs> teachers. It's like everybody that you uh, learn about a religion from is an apostate of that religion that yeah. switched to Christianity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I was definitely taught that atheists are only atheists because they hate God and want to go like have sex all the time or whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
the funny thing about people who are like, oh man, you've been unconvinced about something your entire life. You should read this one book and that'll fix it. It's like, uh, it, I hate the it. idea that like reading one book will, as opposed to like building blocks. Like if you gave, like when I first started shifting in my beliefs, going from like your conservative evangelicalism to where I'm at now, which is uh, ironically, uh, you could maybe argue based on my inability to give specific answers about exactly what I believe could be an agnostic too, but I just kind of, along with admitting that I can't know and don't really know, um, I like, I've found a way to make this work for me and the principles of it, I think reflect what I understand to be the truth of the universe. So like it, it, it ties in for me in a, in a way that I can make work. So like I could, I think you could find these principles and this way of being that I think is true in other, in other religions. There'll be like the quote unquote liberal version of those religions too. Like if you yeah. look at sticks from Judaism to Islam to Christianity, they're all kind of similar in the things they say, but they come, they pull, they extrapolate the information and the, those understandings of truth from different, from different books. But I'm like, if back in my conservative evangelical days, you gave me a book that I would that I would read now, I would look at that. I would get ten pages in and be like, "This is horseshit," and put it right in the garbage. It's like yeah. you can't just flip somebody's understanding like that. Like you, you read this things is horse based poop. on your interests and where you're. Yeah, you wouldn't say shit. Yeah, I wouldn't have said it then. <laughs> Man, I remember censoring myself a lot. Like you would just say like, the, you would say F or fuck. Like you would never finish it. Like you're like if if you finish the word, like something bad was gonna happen. And then, my parents, occasionally... my parents told me not to say frick because it was like a substitution word for, <laughs> for the, <laughs> yeah, the substitution words. Yeah. That yeah. was a Just big like, deal. What's heck? What's darn it? What's literally every word that we yeah. have that's not a swear is a substitution for a swear. But something that something that I think is interesting is. I feel like there's this stereotype of atheists that, you know, I mean, from the Christian perspective, atheists are like, I don't know, they've been tempted by the devil into believing what is wrong. So they want to tempt Christians away from Christianity. But me sitting here as someone who is an atheist, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care how you label yourself. I don't need you to have the perfect label. I don't need you to tell me that you're not a Christian or you're agnostic or atheist. Like I literally, it doesn't matter at all to me. So, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's so insulting of it can be very insulting of your own uh intelligence and your own convictions when people assume that you the only reason you aren't a christian anymore is because you haven't read the right book or you haven't heard the right thing it's like can't you have some respect for me that i've done research and i have reasons for why i believe what i believe now you know the answer is no (laughs) (laughs) dude okay okay let me throw something out there and lose the respect of everyone listening So you want to know what's more compelling to me than any of that. And maybe this is just like my personality or my learning style or whatever. So I was talking to, we'll just say a friend of mine and he was at a relative's house that has a pool and it was winter time. They had a cover stretched over the pool, but it had been raining. So there's like all this water on the cover of the pool. Right. So they're inside, they're sitting at the table talking, having a good time and stuff And he's like, I just got this like feeling like this, like shiver up my spine where I was like, where's my son so-and-so? And And everybody at the table is like, "Uh, I think he's downstairs playing with the other kids or something. And he's like, no, I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to go find him. So he walks outside and his kid had fallen 
onto the cover of the pool. He was face down in the water. And like when he pulled him out, he was just blue. Oh, wow. So they, they start like CPR. They call the cops. There's a cop for some reason. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There's a cop like right around the corner. So a cop's there immediately. His kid, like, you know, totally incapacitated all of a sudden just like coughs up all this water and comes to, and like for some, I I don't know what that is. And maybe that's just a person telling a story from the light of, you know, uh, skewed 2020. Right. But for some reason like that to me makes me more compelled that there's something out there that I don't understand. Like, cause I'm pretty content to just be like, I don't know. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is and that's fine. But when you hear that story of someone getting a feeling and just having no rational explanation for why. Right. It just, I don't know. That to me is for some reason is more compelling that there's something beyond like what I can sense and see and smell and see that makes me think, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe there is something more. Yeah. And and like, what about Bigfoot? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what about Bigfoot? What yeah, about Loch Ness Monster? For, for me, where I'm at, I'm like very skeptical. And I think I have never really had one of those unexplainable experiences. So maybe that's why I have, you know, am, am more in the skeptical realm. But I would consider myself an agnostic atheist because when someone described it to me, it's like agnostic means you don't know and atheist means you don't believe. So it's like, I don't believe in God, but I also don't know whether or not there is a God. So that's sort of where I sit basically. Yeah. I Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, there was this one, you know, this is, I don't know why it reminded me of this Casey, uh, maybe because it's a life and death story that you told, but um, in youth group, I heard a story and tell me if this, if this doesn't make you believe in the, the power of the Lord, I don't know what will. So let me know where you guys stand with your faith after I tell this story. Okay. Okay. So this guy goes out, Christian man with his son, son's a Christian, takes his non-believer friend. They go out on a boat together. They're having a good old time, chatting it up. And then the waves get a little bit crazy and a storm rolls in and things get wild. And, and eventually both children fall overboard. And the waves are going nuts. And this one life preserver. And the dad yells out to his son. He says, I know I'll see you again. And he throws the life preserver <laughs> to the end. <laughs> to the end. You're jumping at me by laughing. <laughs> to the, to so the he lets his son die. <laughs> to the that's sacrifice, dude. <laughs> that's Abraham, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that story when I was a teenager. I was like, wow, I don't know if I could do that for God, but that is beautiful. And now I'm like, that is fuck horrible. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's any correct answer to like what you would do in that scenario, but as a parent, I can tell you. I would save the fucking shit out of my kid. I love your actual kid. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, look, man, I'm really sorry. You're probably a good ass dude. I feel bad for your parents. I'll go to your funeral. Yeah. Throw the fucking thing to my kids. Real. Absolutely. Fast. Absolutely. <laughs> was that, did they tell you that story before or after they did the Columbine drills where they like put a fake, <laughs> a finger gun to your head and asked you to say whether you believed in God. <laughs> and has that ever, is there a, 
ever been an instance where like shooters <laughs> asked you if you believe in God or not. I don't think I've ever seen that in the news of that actually <laughs> happening. Well, I think Billy Graham Jr. from oh well, well, it's Franklin Graham. He probably has a story like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe in a in a different country, but I think in America, I don't think people are really being very persecuted for their faith in America. <laughs> I mean, there's the long Christmas. That's pretty fucking dumb. True, true. (laughs) We're barely, barely surviving the war on Christmas. It's a war of attrition for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think, I think one of the times that I started feeling like I was having doubts is I was at my friend's church, and they, in front of the whole congregation, they're like, "Our prayer group went to a hospital this week, and we prayed for everyone in the hospital, and then." everyone in the hospital just started walking uh walking out of the hospital and they were all healed i was like what, <laughs> what? yeah they claimed that they went to a hospital and healed everyone by praying i'm like no. i did not i did not hear about this in the news or anything like come on pastor terry you're overselling it <laughs> you're going too far terry let say you healed one guy <laughs> oh, oh my god that's a bold move that is a bold move <laughs> Hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, so, I feel like we made some breakthroughs here yeah, today, guys. I do too. Sure. I mean, I think you guys are close to getting saved, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, You've brought me back. Listen, all, the only I have one request: if if you if you find yourself coming back, I want to be the one to rebaptize you. That's the only thing I ask. <laughs> right, you can be the one to throw me the the life preserver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can be the person that drowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan, do you want to plug any of your stuff? I know you got a YouTube channel. You're big on TikTok. Go ahead and. Uh, oh sure. Oh yeah, just look up Mr. Beard wherever, uh, wherever you want to find me. So. <laughs> Mr. Beard, there's only one. And you'll only find one. Him. Well, there's other there's other people who there. I think there's like a beard care brand that's named Mr. Beard. So you'll you might have to search a little bit, but but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This was a really great conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great to meet you, man. Yeah, you too. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>